This conversation from the Augusta Golf Show is brought to you by Gerald Jones Audi, online at AugustaAudi.com. Well, Gil Hans and his business partner, Jim Wagner, own Hans Golf Course Design. List of courses with which they've been involved is numerous. Uh, the firm created the 2016 Olympic course, the Uhupi Match Club, the Cradle at Pinehurst. It's renovated Pinehurst number 4, restoring Marion and more. It is a pleasure to welcome Gil Hans back to the Augusta Golf Show. Hello, Gil. John, how are you? I'm great. You have a great New Year? Uh, we did, actually. Although Tracy and I uh, spent the New Year on the road. We're driving down here to set up shop in Frisco, Texas for the PGA of America course, and I found out it's a, actually a lovely day to drive from Pennsylvania to Texas. <laughs> Not a lot of traffic and no construction. Work. There you go. Well, you've answered my very first question. I was going to say, where are you today and what are you doing? So I'm uh, sitting in my Caterpillar D5 here in Frisco, Texas, building, shaping the 12th green on the PGA golf course and very overcast skies, shall we say. <laughs> well, for folks who, who may not remember, uh, talk a little bit about this project. The PGA of America is, is moving everything to Frisco, Texas, going to have some golf courses. Tell me about the one you're doing. Yeah, so they're gonna they're moving the headquarters down here. I think probably by the time they build the headquarters, it'll be a couple of years down the road. Um, Jim and I and our cavemen are building the East Course, um, which will serve as the host for most of the championship events here at PGA Frisco. Uh, Bo Welling and his team are building the West Course, which will uh, also host some championships over there. So it's it's a great it's a really exciting thirty six hole facility, uh, two distinctly different golf courses, uh, different pieces of the property um and yeah we're excited about it i mean we already have a commitment for the 27 pga championship so the clock's running on uh, on a major championship which is as you know in our business uh it's as good as it can get as far as you know putting our work up against the best players in the world were the pieces of land distinctly different uh, there are sections of them that are. Mm. Um, I think Bo's golf course plays up onto a hill. It's, it's a, his site's a little bit hillier than ours. We're kind of playing down along Panther Creek, which is a really nice feature that we've incorporated into the design. Uh, but portions of his course also get down around Panther Creek. So uh, they feel similar, but they're, um, you know, ours is just really sprawled, kind of sprawls everywhere because part of the planning for this, which is, was an interesting part of the exercise, was that we had to plan for outside the ropes, not only inside the ropes and hopefully building a golf course that is you know of a standard that will be a good challenge for those players. But when the championship of that caliber comes to town, there's there's a lot of stuff that needs to go on. So we spent a I don't want to say almost as much time, but a lot significant amount of time figuring out where all the corporate structures are going to go, how we're going to get traffic, how we get spectators through the through the property. So that was really an interesting exercise. Well, I, I guess it is rare that a golf course gets built knowing it's going to hold a major championship. Yes. I mean, we, we were fortunate in, in, in Rio, while it's not a major championship, yeah. uh, hopefully over time it will come to be uh, considered something akin to a major, uh, winning a gold medal. Um, so we, yeah, we, we had that, and we had a much tighter time frame to build that golf course than we have for this one. So it's not as much stress on the timing end of it, but there's certainly as much of an emphasis on trying to build something. Special. And that's one of the projects you're working on and have worked on. Um, um, tell me about Marion. Tell me what you did at Marion. It's, it's on my bucket list. I've never been. So you're going to tell me things I've never seen. But tell me about Marion. Um, you know, it was 
well, number one, I mean, it's always an honor to be entrusted with, you know, a place like Marion or Wingfoot or LA Country Club. Um, you know, we understand there's an enormous responsibility that comes along with that. One of the, the great things about Marion, which was similar to Wingfoot, was, you know, they, they've got tremendous archives. I mean, so much information because so many championships were conducted there in the early years of the golf course. And so we were able to, to rely on a real a treasure trove of information to put together what we believed was a, a, a true plan to restore the golf course. Um, but we also understood that there was evolution that occurred there that was positive. So it wasn't like a pure restoration. It was really embracing a hundred years of, of a golf course's history and, and focusing in on what we thought were the best aspects of that. So bunkers have been rebuilt. Uh, I think it was Chick Evans, you know, called them the white faces of Marion at one of the tournaments. So that's, you know, the sand flashing is back. Uh, all the greens were rebuilt to the same contours now, but now they've got all the infrastructure underneath them to, you know, help with maintenance performance. So it was pretty much top to bottom uh, rebuilding of the of golf course from a practical standpoint, but architecturally we were pretty focused on on looking back to the 20s and 30s and putting that sort of character back in the golf course. We're talking with Gil Hance here on the Augusta Golf Show. Um, it, it, will the Olympic Club and Lake Merced be a similar project? Um, they they will be. It, actually, they're going to be fairly different. I mean, hmm. one of the nice things, uh, I mean, we're fortunate when it rains, it pours. We've never done any work in San Francisco, and now we have the opportunity to work at, at, at two fantastic clubs. Um, we still haven't really gotten our hands around what we're going to be doing at both of those, but I think the potential is, is pretty exciting. Uh, Lake Merced has a nice history with Alistair McKenzie in its past, and, and Olympic has uh, you know an ocean course that is spectacular, uh, was much more spectacular early on, but they had some issues with stability of the golf holes over on the ocean side. But I think we're going to spend a lot of time looking at how we can manipulate the ocean course and the practice facilities, and then the lake of uh, course, will certainly be more of a restorative. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it's stood the test of time. It's got great tradition behind it, so I think we'll be looking at, at restoring key features of that. That is one of my favorite spots in the game, Olympic. I love that. Yeah, um, it, it really is special. What you admire about the work of of, of Pete of Pete Dye? Um, you know, I I think what I admire most is is the way he conducted his work i mean i i was i never had the opportunity to work directly for pete but i worked for tom doak so i learned you know a lot of what what the way jim and i work was gleaned from the, the time i spent with tom and tom worked for pete and so it's really kind of passed down um from generation to generation is that designing in the field building building golf courses instead of you know putting building them on paper building them in the dirt and i think that um, he needs to be applauded for returning that style or that that feel of how you design and build golf courses you know to golf course architecture i think it had been lost over a period of time um his work itself i think is just stylistically it's it's sort of angular and sharp more looking like seth rayner and cb mcdonald um which doesn't quite fit, you know, the aesthetic that I would say if you ask me what do I really, you know, the, the aesthetic that I yeah. really like. Mm-hmm. But the bones of his golf courses, the strategy, the angles were masterful. I mean, he was a genius at figuring out how you how you get into the minds of players, how then sometimes if you if you don't pull off the shot, the penalties were, were severe. And and it was everything that he did while modern looking was 
based in the classics of, of golf architecture. They all harken back to what the great old golden age golf course architects did. And I think Pete revered and, and studied those those layouts. And he spent obviously spent time in Scotland. So all of his architecture was so well researched and and put together and built. And then to combine that with the the passion and the ability to get on a piece of machinery and to spend time on a project and to, you know, I use this this phrase with someone else. Uh, so the, the, his courses were personal. I mean, they were not things that he just visited, you know, infrequently. They were per- personal. He was boots on the ground. He was he was there. He was invested in each and every one of his creations. And I think that as a result of that and as a result of his genius and talent is why you almost every Pete Dye golf course is really, really special and really, really good. Gil, was he... Do I think of him as a unicorn in what he did or or is what you do? Is is your industry cyclical? Is it is it, you know, you're gonna have somebody create something like Pete did, and then you're gonna have folks do what you do, kind of use the ground, mature the ground, use what you find. Um, or or do I think of Pete as being sort of, as I said, the unicorn out there? I think he was a unicorn. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think he was truly special. He he reversed the path of golf course architecture, um, and not many people have had the opportunity to do that in a career and to have such a profound impact on the way architecture was viewed and, and really basically to change the course of of what was occurring. You know, you had the golden age. Then after World War II, you had a different sort of methodology and more uh, manufactured golf courses and kind of stamped out, you know, we were in this industrial, you know, that's the way everything was done is reliance on heavy machinery. And Pete basically threw a spanner in the gears and said, well, well, we're going to, we're going to go back to something else. And, and the courses he did, you know, when you look at the, the golf club in, in Columbus, when you look at crooked stick, when you look at Harbor town is sort of the start of him getting that recognition, they definitely changed things. And then, when he did TPC Sawgrass, then it became more of a copycat industry. Everybody started to build golf courses that looked like Pete. So he he changed the course of golf course architecture, and that's that's truly special. And, and I've said this before. I think you know, we keep talking about him as one of the greatest modern golf course architects. Throw modern out the window. He was one of the greatest golf course architects ever to practice what we do. And so I think we need to really look at him in the overall perspective of – you know, right up there with the Tillinghast and the McKenzies and the Rosses as a truly unique and special talent. Have you ever played a golf course, Gil, and walked off it and said, I wouldn't change a thing? Can, um, can you do that? Sure. Okay. Sure, I can. I mean, if you walk around Cypress Point, it's kind of hard to pick it. Good for <laughs> you. That golf course or, or Pine Valley. I think, yeah, I, what, what I love, Looking at those and you neo know, national golf links, the old course, those are you know my my favorites. I don't think I'd change anything on those, and I think it's it's trite, and I and I hate to even say it, but you know they've stood the test of time, and and they're they're as relevant now as they were, you know, way back when when they were created, and that's that's truly special. I think what I look for more is 
how did they do this? Hmm. You know, when we walk around these great old golf courses, like, you know, they didn't have bulldozers and scrapers and excavators, but, you know, how, where did they borrow that dirt to raise that green or create that bunker? And I find that that is really an interesting exercise. It certainly doesn't help my, my golf game. <laughs> I probably should be focusing more on how I'm playing, but um, those are the types of things that I really enjoy looking at. Um, I, I, I can't wait to hear the answer to this. I ran across this question over the holidays. I think they were asking pros this question. I thought it was an interesting question to ask a variety of folks on the show. Uh, you got one more round of golf to play in your life. Where do you play the round? The old course. Okay. Yeah, it's just, uh, I, I'm not that good a golfer. I like space, but I love the challenge of those uh, you know, just the humps and the hollows and obviously the history and everything about it. And, you know, if the last golf hole you're going to walk up your entire life is the 18th at St. Andrews with the clubhouse and the, and the town right there, that's not a bad way to go out. Um, all right. You, we, when we started this conversation, are you actually in a bulldozer? I am. If you, started, if you started the bulldozer, could we hear yeah. it? Uh, well, let's try. All right. Let's, Hang on. Let, all right. Here's Gil Hans in a bulldozer. tried to rev it up for you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. I'm going to let you go back to work. He is Gil Hans. Gil, I always appreciate you taking the time to do this. Happy New Year, and, and we will talk again. Happy New Year. Always enjoy it. Thanks for asking.